Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So I need you to pay attention to these because uh, we are studying uh, a very important conversation in regards to the kingdom of God. The gospel of the kingdom. And one of the things we've done in the last two Sundays is to build on what is the kingdom and... Uh, some attributes of the kingdom and we've looked at some popular scriptures and tried to give them uh, appropriate biblical interpretation. Now, let's go to Mark chapter 1 and verse 14. So today we want to answer one very simple question. We want to answer one simple question. What did Jesus and his disciples preach? What did Jesus and his disciples preach. Now, the first thing you've got to understand, the word gospel, I've said it before, the word gospel means what? Good news. Everybody say good news. That's important. We must understand that the gospel is good news. Then, the term kingdom is the Greek word basilia, and it means the rule of God or the realm in which God is sovereign or the reign of God. The rule of God, the realm of God or the, uh, the, the sovereign rule of God. That's what the word uh, kingdom means, basilia in the Greek. Now, um, let's look at this. There are four things that make up a kingdom. There are four things that make up a kingdom. Number one, the king. Number one, the king. Number two, the laws. Four things that make up a kingdom. Number one, the king. Number two, the laws. Okay? Number three, the citizens. Number four, the land. The king, the laws, the citizens, and what? And what? And the land. That's make, that makes up what? A kingdom. Now, let's say for instance, you are, uh, we don't have so many kingdoms here, but um, we're in the kingdom of Benin now. But if you say for instance, the kingdom of Benin or the Edo kingdom, Okay, you cannot talk about the Edo kingdom without the Oba of Benin. Am I right? Come on now, am I right? So we talk about the, the kingdom, the Edo kingdom, we're also referring to a place where the Oba of Benin rules or governs or administrates. And it must be a specific location. So we cannot talk about the, uh, the kingdom of Benin. And if you are in Saple, the kingdom of Benin does not cover you. Because you are in Sapla and Sapla is Delta State. That's another domain entirely. Alright? Um, now, if there are laws, let's say for instance, um, they say, if you are in the kingdom of Benin, for instance, this is an example. 
You cannot eat fried plantain on Sunday morning. It's against the law of the land. You realize that if that's what the law of the land says and you're subject of that kingdom, you cannot eat fried plantain on a Sunday morning. Right. Now, if you have fried plantain in your food flask and you moved from Benin to Ogara, which is almost the boundary, you know, because we, when you get to a place called Ogara, you get into Delta State. Can you still eat your plantain by the time you move into Delta State? Hmm? Some of you are not sure yet. Right? Why? Because you have left the kingdom of Benin. Now, immediately you leave the kingdom of Benin, you need to pay attention to this, the governing laws of that kingdom do not affect you any longer. Why? Because the laws of the kingdom stops where the kingdom stops. This is important. Now, go to Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. And that's why I never agree with the subject of generational curses because... It doesn't fit into the scripture. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. Follow me now. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. This is a very interesting story. Colossians 1 13. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness. That's the New American Standard Bible. It says he rescued us from the domain of darkness. Now the word domain of darkness in the King James Version. It says he rescued us from what? From the kingdom of darkness. Am I right? Is that what is in your Bible? Yeah, he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness or the domain of darkness. So we can see that the word kingdom is domain, dominion. Kings, now, kingdom, okay? Separate the words into two. Hmm? Kingdom. If you separate it into two, what would you have? You would have king? If you separate it into two, you can't have kingdom. That's the one word. Okay? If you separate it into two, what would you have? King and what? And dumb. All right? So, kingdom is the king's dominion, which is the king's domain. Okay? You need to understand it, because if you have a futuristic perspective to the kingdom of God, you will not understand the gospel of Christ. So, the king's dominion, it's the domain of the king. Now, Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, he says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness... And transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So, immediately we were transferred into the kingdom of God. The laws of the kingdom of darkness no longer hold us bound. That's why you can't be having deliverance for a believer every month. Monthly deliverance meeting. No. It's not consistent with scriptures. Because when you move kingdoms, the laws no longer apply. Now, this is the point. If you... Let's, let's go back to our plantain example. Now, let's say you've got the fried plantain. It's hot. <laughs> and then you move to Ogara, but you don't know that you've crossed. Hmm? What's going to happen? You will still not eat. Why? That's ignorance. That's ignorance. Ignorance is what keeps a lot of Christians down. You know, I give an example in the first service. Imagine you go, you meet God. Let's say you die now. You now meet God. And God say, what killed you? You now say, which? Will you not be ashamed of yourself? Even God will be ashamed of you. Angels will just be ashamed of you. Why? Because you've got the authority. He gave you authority. And because we haven't understood how the kingdom of God, how powerful the kingdom of God is, it's because we're waiting to go to the kingdom one day, we haven't effected 
the, the, the strength of the kingdom out of ignorance. Remember what we said last Sunday. The lawyers, what do they do? They hold the key of knowledge. They won't allow people to enter. They won't enter themselves. Now, let's look at Jesus. What did Jesus start to preach? What did the apostles preach? And let's trace that and then we get into something. I need to go fast. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Mark chapter 1 and verse 14. Mark 1, 14. Mark 1, 14. It says, Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God, which is the good news of God. Verse 15. And saying, The time is fulfilled. We talked about this last Sunday. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So, you find out when Jesus started his ministry, what message did he start preaching? Come and help me somebody. What message did he start preaching? The gospel of what? Of the kingdom. Are you planning to go home or you're here? Okay, so say the gospel of the kingdom. Just say it. Yeah, that's the answer. And you realize that that's what John was preaching. So when John preached that message, he went into prison. And then Jesus picked up that message at the beginning of his ministry. Let's go towards the middle of his ministry. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and verse 43. Luke 4, 43. It says, verse 42. Luke 4, 42. When they came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place. And the crowds were searching for him. And came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. Verse 43. But he said to them, I must preach. I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities. Also. For I was sent for this purpose. So he says, I must preach. What? The kingdom of God to other cities. For because of this purpose, that's why I was sent. You realize that Jesus said, I must preach. But what did he say he must preach? The kingdom of God. Are you following this? Okay. Now, go to uh, Luke chapter 8 verse 1. Luke chapter 8 and verse 1. Luke chapter 8 verse 1. Soon afterwards, he began going around from one city to one city. And village to another. Proclaiming. I I told you about what proclaiming is. Proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. So you realize that Jesus went about every city, every village, preaching the same message. What is the message? The message of the kingdom. The message of the kingdom. I need you to follow this. The message of the kingdom. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. We're looking at what did Jesus preach? Matthew 4, 23. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee. Alright? Teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sicknesses among the people. So we see here again that Jesus was going, even in the synagogues, if Jesus needed to preach what he preached or what he taught, 
is what? The gospel of what? Of the kingdom. Now, we've identified what he started preaching. We identified what he preached during his time. Traveling around villages, cities, in the synagogue. The message he was preaching. Now, let's see what Jesus preached after his death. Because after his death, he preached again for 40 days and 40 nights before he went up. So, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We're looking at what did Jesus preach. What did the disciples preach? Acts chapter 1. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1 to 3. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had by the Holy Spirit, giving orders, orders, I want you to observe that word, giving orders. And orders are meant to be obeyed. Orders are not meant to be changed, they are meant to be obeyed. Right, in giving orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these, he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs. Why did he use the word convincing proofs there? Uh, the King James Version would use the word infallible proofs. That means proofs that cannot be doubted. Why did he, why did he, why did he show himself through infallible proofs? Because when Jesus rose from the dead, the Jews put out this story, gave a lot of money for people to lie that the body of Jesus was stolen and that Jesus did not resurrect. And that is because, I've said it many times, it is the resurrection that's the proof of Christianity. And so Jesus had to prove himself through infallible proofs that he actually rose from the dead. And that was what convinced them. This is one of the, of the, one of, this is one of the strongest apologetic reasons for defending the Christian faith. The fact that people who saw Jesus confirmed and were able to risk their life to death you know, with the message that this man rose from the dead. If it were just a fable, I mean, they wouldn't have gone, you know, uh, killed, uh, lost their life for a message that was just a story. And he says, after he's suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So you observe this, when Jesus started his ministry, he started by teaching about the kingdom. In the middle of his ministry, he talked about the kingdom. And then, after resurrection, he talks about the kingdom. Now, if a man was killed because of a message he preached, praise God, after you rise from the dead, would you attempt to go back to that message? You will not. So that means the message of the kingdom for the apostles and for Jesus was not a message that death could stop them from preaching. Why? Because that fits into the ultimate plan of God from the beginning of time until the finality of time. The heartbeat of God has always been that His people will understand the kingdom. And it is not a kingdom, it's not a kingdom as it were, just about someone going somewhere. It's a kingdom that is coming and that God wants us to manifest and God wants us to live out. Praise God. Alright, let's look at Philip, another disciple. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. We're looking at what did Jesus and his disciples preach? What was the emphasis of the content of their message? 
Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. But when they believed, Philip was also a deacon in the whole church. Hmm? Wasn't a deacon just for counting money. Wasn't a deacon just for serving tables. He was a deacon that also went and took a whole city for God. And you know, that should be our heart. Our heart should be that where we are, God will help us to take the people there for God. You see, you see, every believer must have a kingdom agenda. Okay? And what this kingdom agenda really is, is not about us blending into the world. You know, every time we try to say, yeah, you know, we need to make these, we need to... And we're, we're the ones, have you realized that when it comes to the world, we are the ones making compromise. We are the ones that always make compromise to tolerate, to adapt. And, and in, our, in our heart, that's the God kind of love. <laughs> and you know why it's funny? It's the God kind of love that loves and tolerates people but never gets them saved. Yeah. It's just okay, just okay, maybe one day they will save. You know, we, we hope people will be saved. We, we pray people will be saved. We pray people will stumble on salvation. And you'd realize that most of us would not have been saved if someone was not deliberate on us. Hmm? Yeah. We've got to be deliberate about souls. If, we, if, if our salvation really means what it means to us, the gospel must be the greatest priority in our life. Phoning the gospel, preaching the gospel, living the gospel, proclaiming the gospel. Because people died for this gospel. People died for it. And, and, and that's why the message of the kingdom is important because it's not a message of compromise. It's a message that Daniel got a hold of. And he knew that he was a son of the kingdom. And when uh, King Nebuchadnezzar talked about them bowing down, you know what happened? They said, we will not bow. And they threatened to throw them into fire. And you know what they said? They said, even if God doesn't deliver us, if you heat up the fire seven times, we are well able and willing to get into the fire, but we will not bow. And when we look at somebody like Daniel, we look at Daniel and we say, this is an Old Testament saint. He does not understand grace. And just for a job of 20,000, you will do all the lies. And all the messing around. And yet you understand grace. How great is your understanding? And that's why we've got to enforce the message of the kingdom. Because it's, it's, a radical oppos- uh, it's radically opposed to the laws of the earth realm. I mean, you know, the disciples came. Their mother came and says, I want you to be, want to be at your left hand side. I want to be at your right hand side. And Jesus says, no, in the kingdom, the greatest among you is the servant of all. Hmm? Is the servant of all. And today, our concept of leadership in the kingdom is very authoritarian and positional. Because we don't understand the kingdom. Jesus said it very clearly. He said, this is how the lords, the Gentiles, rule over them. He says, but not so for you. How do you lead in your home? How do you lead the people you have? The, I mean, all you need to, especially in a culture like ours, just give someone a little power. Just a little. Just let them know that, okay, anybody crossing this line should take permission from you. The first thing, he will just cross his leg and laugh. <laughs> My mockers. And he would set about, I mean, look at how we handle positions. How we handle positions. How we handle leadership. 
Because the kingdom will have to... You see, if the kingdom does not change your perception about things, that's what repentance is. That's what repentance is. You know, we've been big on the message of salvation for people to get born again. You see, but when people get born again, they enter the kingdom. Now, there is something about living the kingdom. That's the big deal. That's the big deal. Salvation is like a ticket. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? You're born again. You're a citizen of the kingdom. Now, how do we enforce the kingdom on the earth? It's radically different from what we see daily. And it's not a choice. You don't choose to say, well, I'll do this, I don't do this. When you become part of the kingdom, remember what we talked about? The four things that make up the kingdom. What is that? The king, the lords, the land, and the people. The people must obey the laws of the land. Praise God. You must do what? Obey the laws of the land. Look at this. Philip. But when they believed Philip, preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. He commissioned, Jesus commissioned the twelve apostles to preach the kingdom. Matthew chapter 10. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. What did Jesus tell them to do to unclean spirits? I didn't hear your church. What did Jesus say they should do to unclean spirits? Did he say you should interview them? But what do we find today? A lot of interview going on with unclean spirits. And ask a very simple question. If Jesus said the devil is the father of lies from the beginning. Hmm? If Jesus said he's the father of lies from the beginning. And demons are like the angels of devils. Would they ever tell you the truth? All those things you hear people say. Never the truth. Because it's a lying spirit. Demons are lying spirits. And let me tell you, there's something called a familiar spirit. I'll take you a small course on demonology. Just introduction on demonology. <laughs> just a little course. <laughs> eh? There's something called a familiar spirit. What a familiar spirit is, is that it can tell everything about your life accurately and give you exact dates and give you accuracy, but that does not mean the spirit is from God. That's why you can go and meet a Dibia and a Habalist now and he will tell you everything about your life. It's not word of knowledge. It's a counterfeit of word of knowledge. So all those interviews you are watching, you know why? It keeps the church bound. Because as you watch all of those things, you don't make progress into maturity. Do you realize that Abraham's father actually served one God a month? So he had 12 gods, one for each month. But do you realize that immediately Abraham believed God, it was counted to him for righteousness. God did not send him for deliverance. I'm not against deliverance. If you have a demon, I'll cast it out. No, that's the truth. If you have a demon, you have a demon here. After the service, just meet me and say, Pastor, I have a demon. I'll cast it out. I mean, I'll cast it out with a bottle of coke in my hand. It won't, it won't take. I'll cast it out. You, you don't need dry fasting. You don't need dry fasting. It's, you don't need spiritual walk. If you want to fast, you can fast, but you don't need it. Because this is what happened. Look at this, and I'll explain it to you. If you read the King James Version, that word authority is power. But there are two words used for power in the Bible. There's exousia and there's dunamis. Dunamis is explosive power, dynamo, dynamic power. Okay? Exousia is authority. Now, if a traffic policeman stands and raises his hands, okay? 
And this big truck is coming. And it stretches its hand and stops the truck. Will the truck stop? It will stop. Now, why do you think the truck will stop? But if that truck goes and rides on that man, you know the man will die. But why did the truck stop? Why, why do you think the truck stopped? Authority. So the truck is not actually stopping for that man. The truck is stopping for the authority behind that man. That's why if you also now in your presumptuousness not go and stand on the road and stretch hand like this. You've heard the first, the first thing people will say is mad mad. You won't die. Yeah, because there is no authority backing that misbehavior. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you realize that what actually casts that demons is not the man. It's the authority behind the man. And that's why we've got to teach every believer that they have this authority. So when they come across demons in their office, they don't bring them to church for us. They cast them out there. A demon should not make you want to change departments. Cast that devil out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are witches in my compound. Perfect. Cast the witches out of all. Cast the witchcraft out of all the witches, and then bring them to church. And now we're the ones running because we don't understand authority. That's why a man can perform miracles when he's not even living right, because the demons are not obeying your conduct; they are obeying the name of Jesus. And that's why at the end he says. Go away from me, you workers of iniquity. He says, but they will say to me, we cast out demons in your name. And God will say, I never knew you. That's why no minister is judged by signs, wonders, and miracles. Jesus said, by their fruits, you shall know them. Why? Because the fruit is the only true sign that the man is connected to the vine, the branch. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so the kingdom places value on obeying the laws. Let's look at Paul. Paul comes up and picks on this. Acts, oh no, 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 no. Stay in Matthew chapter 10. Read verse 7. And as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus commanded them and gave them orders to preach about the kingdom of heaven. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. Don't charge for these things. Don't charge for casting out demons. Don't charge for healing the sick. Now, go to Acts chapter 20. Praise God. You know, I was enjoying this subject so much. I was studying and studying and studying. Yesterday night, and you know, Stamiri met me at about 12.30 to 1. He said, go and sleep. You will not finish everything on Sunday. Just go and sleep. But I absolutely just... I mean, there was something I was studying. I'm going to show you. That I've never seen that way before. In the scripture, talking about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. That word oppressed. For the first time, I saw it clearly why the scripture says God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. That God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, right? We'll get there. Acts 20, 25. <laughs> Let's get that. Look at Paul. I like this. Mm. You know, something about the kingdom. When he got a hold of them, 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 they did not count their lives dear to them anymore. You know what? You would ask yourself, if this message we are preaching is just the message we are preaching, why was the Roman Empire fighting the Christians? Why? Is it because they understood the implication of saying that we are in another kingdom? You realize, when, <laughs> when they came and said, we charge you not to preach in that name anymore, they say, whom shall we obey? God or man? 
They knew that accepting Christianity was pledging allegiance to the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God now holds first place in their life. And it becomes between a choice of the kingdom and a choice of Caesar, who was the head of Rome. They would obey what God told them. And that was the, that was the problem. That's why they ran into problems with the Roman government. It was not just because they were Christians. It was because this group of people have not identified with a man called Jesus of Nazareth who was absolute Lord in their life. The words of that man became final say in their life. This man was in conflict with the Roman government. And yet, he didn't do it with swords. He did it with teachings. That's why you see something. Convictions is bettered by listening to teachers. Listening, listening, feeding yourself. That's how conviction is bettered. There are things in this life you will never make me do. You never, in this life, there are things you will never make me do. You don't have the capacity. <laughs> when you have these deep convictions in you, you would walk away from huge sums of money. You will not sell your soul for a morsel of bread. It's a conviction not bettered by congregational meeting or church associations. It's a conviction bettered because you understand the implication of the kingdom of God. And this is what happened to Paul. Acts chapter 20. Oh, glory to God. Acts chapter 20. Are you still there? Yes, Say amen if you are. Alright, Acts chapter 20 verse 22. Verse 21. So let me testify unto both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 22. And now behold, bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Look at a man going to preach the gospel. Look at what he said. He said, except the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bounds and afflictions are with me. Look at, look at how this man was called into ministry. He says, every city you go, afflictions are with you. Bounds are with you. He did not say, God forbid Hmm? Come on, how does God call all of us into ministry now? Everywhere you go, the soul of your future church shall be unto you for a possession. You know, eh? to be honest, you know, like, our version of Christianity is very soft. We can't take stuff. Ah. No. Can't take anything. Little thing, you're angry, offended. Boom, leave church. Quarry. Sometimes you even God, give God quick notice. I've been believing you for two months. If you don't do it after the third month, I will not serve you again. You know, you do as if it's, it's your... You know, I mean, I follow people up. We try as much as we can. You know, but if somebody makes a decision not to be part of this local church, I'm not one of those pastors who's going to run after you. Do you understand? Uh, what is it? No, 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 no. Ah! <laughs> ah! <-ya. laughs> ah! You know the way this work is, eh? If nobody comes to church again, I will... <laughs> It's, it's, all our, it's all our money that built this place. And there's no... There, I, you failed. No way. God sent Philip to preach to a man in the desert. One man. And after preaching to that man, God took him away. This thing is bigger than personal ego. It's bigger than saying I have the fastest church in the city. I am the greatest pastor. No, this thing is not about us. There is a kingdom agenda that is bigger. Are you following what I'm saying? And if we realize this, we will do everything we do in the house of God as unto God and not unto man, including our giving. How come we have come to a place in church where our words are given to the highest givers? What about somebody who doesn't have money to give? Why would people... You know, you know we've come to a place where people will tell you, I don't have a shirt to dress to church. Or I don't have money to go to church. 
As if these are perisicals for understanding and living the life of the kingdom. The more we copied from politicians. Hmm? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. We want to force it to be of this world. <laughs> Most times I tell preachers, we are not celebrities. Hmm? And I say it with all humility of heart. We are not celebrities. We are not competing with Davido for Instagram likes. Huh? Ja, if, if we don't do like that, people will not follow us. They, no, 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 no. That's why people can't stand persecution. Hmm? And I'll say this, right? Prayer can finish this. I want to finish this. I say this. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you things that are read. As a ministry, we've lost two missionaries in the north. They were slain. They were killed. One of them, got a missionary in Bauchi, at the, the elders of the Boko Haram. One of them, they came in. And he, he wanted to run with his wife and his children. But if all of them run, they would catch all of them. He had to stay. And his wife and his two sons ran into the bush. They cut his neck. His name is Blessing. Hmm? So this gospel is not, God will do it for me. God, yes, it is. But there are people who have laid down their lives. You know the funny thing? Two months after. Two months after. The wife says she's going back. Why? There are people there that needs to be reached. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That, that's conviction. Conviction. That is, a man has heard and known something. And look at what Paul said here. Look at it. Say said, and now behold, bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city that the bonds and afflictions are with me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry whom I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of grace, of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching, I went about Preaching the kingdom of God will no longer see my face. I went with you all about. I went about preaching the kingdom. So we see that when Paul came, Paul started preaching the kingdom. Acts chapter 19. Have we read Acts 19? Okay, go to Acts chapter 19. Quickly. Acts chapter 19 verse 1. We'll read to verse 8. We're looking at what did Jesus and the apostles preach. Why the kingdom should be prominent in our discussion. Follow me now, Acts chapter 19. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. Verse 2, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. <laughs> and he said unto them, into the, what then were you baptized? And he said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. And when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak with tongues and prophesy. They were in all about twelve men. And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly, boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. See what Paul was doing. Three months preaching on the kingdom. Verse None. But when some were becoming hardened, disobedient, speaking evil of the way, 
before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannos. This took place for two years, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. How do you respond to persecution? You double the word. You double the word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You invest in disciples. Can you imagine preaching on the kingdom for three months? And then things were coming up. He withdrew his disciples into the school of Tyrannos. And they were having services daily for two years. Not prayer meetings. Not meetings of breakthrough. Not casting and binding. Reasoning on the kingdom. What was Paul doing? Paul was infusing these people with the message. So that after he's gone, they'll be able to carry the message. Hmm? Are you, are you, are you, are you? Training disciples have to do with teaching. Teaching. Long teaching. Extensive teaching. You know these ones we're doing Sunday morning. It's okay, but this is not. This is just preamble. Hmm? That's why I said in the first service, some of the best people who understand how to raise disciples are Jehovah's Witnesses. They will indoctrinate you to the point that <laughs> even when you need blood transfusion or your deathbed, you say this one, God doesn't want it. And you won't take it and die. It looks foolish when you understand some of the things, but that's what real discipleship is. Your life is not as important as the perceived truth of the kingdom. And you see, mainly you go there as an observer after they, they put a bag in your hand. You hit the street. You realize that people who are too ashamed to preach the gospel in Pentecostal churches, let's say peradventure they become members of Jehovah Witnesses, they will hit the street. Are you? Because there is, there is an ego that is in our life. I cannot be preaching. I will fund the gospel. Uh, pastor, send me your account. I will put something. Because pastors have also made it look like you don't have to do anything. Just give us money. We will do that. Pastors will even collect money to fast for people. Jobless men. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and so, when you're raised like that, there's no, if I ask everyone of us here, when was the last time you want somebody to Christ? Not invite somebody to church. This guy is a stark sinner. Never heard the gospel. And you preached to him. He accepted the Lord and you brought him to church. I will tell you, you are believers that in all your life, they have not won one soul. Hmm? Not one. Some people even ask them to go and preach now. They don't understand the gospel to preach. Give your life to Christ so you not go to hell. Uh, so you go to heaven. So that on the last day, when Jesus comes and he now sound the trumpet, all of us will go to heaven. You have preached now. That's message for you now. Hmm? Okay, if the person now tells you that, yeah, I want to go to hell. You don't understand because you know you preach the gospel to people who are just some people will tell you that no problem. If it's in hell, I don't have issue with hell. Now so there's no do you realize that by that message you don't even have a gospel? Am I, am I speaking? You say, okay, is it not, you know, my grandmother, I think it was my dad later towards her deathbed, I was able to present the gospel to her. This was her philosophy. They were preaching to her, she will go to hell. My grandmother now said, if God, who created me, created hell and created heaven, and said, if I don't believe him, I will go to hell. No problem. She is the one that created hell. No halal. And that was it. That, that shocked the gospel because... You know, I don't know if you, if you get what I'm trying to say. That shot the gospel to her. But that's not the gospel. The gospel, first of all, makes you to see the depravity of the human nature. That it's not about the goodness of a man. That it's not about morality. That all men are sinners. And someone paid the price. And we've got to accept that price. Whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're good, whether you're bad.
You've not preached to some atheists. They will tear the Bible apart. The first time, you know, I was just all these regular Christians, pastors, child, going to church, enjoying church. The first time that made me study the Bible like this, I studied the Bible very well, very well. It was an encounter I had in, in Brussels, in Belgium. We went for this NGO meeting. And some of the guys were going out. You know, they would go to a club at the end of the evening, go and buy drink, do all of these things. And I just got married then, just the first year. And one of the guys came to me, a white guy. He said, why did you marry early like this? I'm like, is it your marriage? He's mine. He said, you're not enjoying life. Your life is so dull. You don't drink. You don't... It's so dull. So I now said, I'm a Christian. He said, oh, you believe in the virgin birth? I said, yes. He said, what about if that story is not true? Do you know for the first time, it didn't even cross my mind. Do you know that it didn't cross my mind, a pastor's child, that... He said, for the first time, wait, okay... Ah, 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 this is a serious matter. Do you understand? For the first time, I gave consideration that what about if everything in this book is not true? I went back and I started studying. That's where I got that message from. Eight reasons why I believe in the Bible. That message, <laughs> I pray the young man is saved now. There was a day, I'll say this. You'll give me a couple of times because I need to finish this. But I feel it, the Spirit of God wants me to say it. There was a day I preached in a cinema church there. Eight reasons why I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I had prepared my message. I was going to church. The Spirit of God said, preach this message. You know, as a teacher, I'm very detailed. I've got my notes. I wrestled with God until I said, okay, fine. I said, this message is too simple. Why would you preach eight reasons why I believe in the Bible? Not knowing that that day, there's a Muslim guy who came in for this Samsung training. His, this friend has been telling him about our church. He just said, okay, I don't go to church. I don't listen to preachers. Because the Bible is not true. But I just want to go with you this day. And after today, I will not go again. He came to church. He was in church that day. And I preached on eight reasons why I believe the Bible is the word of God. The guy attended every single service for six months before he left. That message, I prayed that that message planted a seed. But I'm telling you why I began to study the way I study. Listen, let me say this. I'm not a prophet of doom, but let me say this. The world is going to shake our convictions. You see how one person released a video about Titan and the whole church world just collapsed. This money they collect 10%, 10%, 10%. What is it? Sir? People became disciples of Daddy Freeze. Just one video and one concept. Because people did not even know why they were doing it, what? In the first place. The whole Christian world went down. You know, people ask me, what's your thought about tithing? I don't have thoughts. Do what you want to do. If you want to give, if you want to give, that's not my business. It's actually between you and God. What's my problem? Hey, what are you thinking? I don't have thoughts on that. There are many things I'm thinking about. And tithing is not one of them. Have, I, have you heard me here one day? Stand on this pulpit and say, where are all the titans? Come, let me pray special prayer for you. I'm not jobless. Let me tell you this. Eh? If you ever run a church in your life, if you are ever called, you will know that what keeps a church running is sacrificial givers who give. Hmm? <laughs> who give monthly or consistently to run the church. Sometimes it's when you walk in the church office, when you see the figures, you'll be, you'll be like, ah, all these many people. <laughs> what am I saying? Once you are convinced 
in the kingdom, your actions are no longer determined by external things. If the whole world turns against the faith, you still remain standing. That's what will keep you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at this now. Let's read this now. Acts chapter 28, verse 30. Mm. Let's do Acts 28, verse 23. <laughs> Acts 28, verse 23. Acts 28, 23. Look at this. When they, set, they, when they had set a day for Paul, they came to him, all his lodging in large numbers. That's his house. And he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning till evening. Look at what Paul was doing in his house. In his house, he was persuading men from morning till evening using the law, using the prophets to teach the kingdom. This is Paul, who was a murderer who got born again. See how dedicated he became to the cause of the gospel. Look at that. I talked about it. From the prophets and the law, he was reasoning. Because for you to convince a Jew about the kingdom, it's not a 45 minutes message. That's why you hear the word reasoning, persuading, reasoning, persuading. What do you do in your house? Hmm? Movie distributor. From morning to evening. So have you watched this series? Saying, ah, forget that series. So I will not even put it for you. Sit down. Let me go and buy coke. Morning to evening, persuading concerning a series. Hmm? Novels. Planning party all the time. Event manager. All the people that are dead in the island, you know them and their funeral places. Say, ah, I heard this man have died. He said, which of them? Because there are three that died. One died on Tuesday. One died on Wednesday at about 12. Then one finally gave up on Friday morning, 8 o'clock, if I'm not mistaken, 8 o'clock. You are, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are agents of mortuaries. Hmm? You even know what will happen in the burial. If you go to that burial, I know that family, you will not eat. So what you will do, go to this burial first. They are at about three cross to the... You know, you are, you, are, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are you are intelligent in the affairs of the world. Bible you don't have. Your Bible is an album for throwback pictures. So I'm looking for that, my picture. Say, you don't check my Bible. That's where any document you are looking for is inside your Bible. And yet, we want to change the world. With what exactly? With what exactly? Do you know that we can't change this world with money? Because some of the richest people in this world, they are not born again. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know all this one we are saying tight, 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 tight. Eh? It's for one, one, one heavy bros, like a Maxuka bed or a Dangote, who will just have mercy. Or what you want to do. You, you remember what they said about the centurion, right? He said, this man loved that nation and built us a synagogue. That is one man built a church. He's not a Jew. He's a Roman guy. Eh? But he just said, I like this to that God that they worship. Okay, how much is the church? He said, okay. He, so when, when, <laughs> when his child had issues, the rabbis that didn't believe in Jesus, they see, you see, this guy's child, if he dies, this synagogue, he can say, go and heal him. For he loved us and built us a synagogue. We want to build one church. We raise offering upon offering, treating people. As the block is going up, your life will go up. As they paint the wall, your life will be painted. As they lay the foundation of this building, your, your marriage foundation will be laid. So when they put the roof, what happened to all those prayers? Okay, now, Luke chapter 17, verse 20. 
If you want to give, give. If you don't want to give, keep your money. Go do something else with it. Hmm? You are seeing now that people are demanding that they, should, that they want to collect their offerings back from church. And you know the reason why? It's the way pastors took it from them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's the way pastors took it for them. I remember there was a time someone, I don't know, maybe I'll finish up. There was a time, you know, I've been telling stories all to the truth today. You know, there was a time someone gave us a substantial amount of money. When we got the, the alert in the office, I called. I called the person. I said, is this what you really want to give? No, that's the truth. I called. I called. I said, is this, is it what you really want to give? He said, no problem. It's fine, pastor. I said, okay, not a problem. We didn't use that money until about three weeks. Now, I'm telling you, I went there, I, don't leave it. Leave it. In case he changes his mind. It was heavy money. In case he changes his mind, we will refund it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why sometimes we share testimonies too quickly. And the person gave, and then that's it. Willingly. Hmm? Somebody had given us money at a point, and the money was over what the person wanted to give. And I said, okay, don't worry, you give monthly. We will record this one for next month. He said, oh, thank you, sir, thank you, sir. I said, it's not a problem. Is it because any giving that is not willing is not accepted? That you, 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 have, you, see, you have to be clear. These things are clear in scriptures. They are clear in scriptures. If, if a man gives and it is not willing, it is not accepted by God, even if the church accepts it. And that's why I don't do vows. Hmm? Because you can force people, I'll, I'll finish up on Sunday. You can force people to vow. Promise them heaven and earth. And people will vow. And many, many of you have unpaid vows. Go and pay those churches. They are depend, the way they are praying for you to come back safe. That's why you're not hearing what I'm preaching. Say, Lord, one man promise us share, Lord. Anyway, he let his mind not be at peace. And you are in service now. They are saying, you, you are, that church and this church are having service at the same time. Then that pastor is saying that your mind should not be at peace. And I'm preaching. Hey, you are paying your vow. <laughs> I hear what I'm saying. When you want to do anything for the kingdom or for someone, take your time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pray about it. And give willingly. Once you do it, you will see the blessings of God come upon your life. And you see, when you see the blessings of God that come upon your life by giving, you know what's going to happen? You will no longer, nobody will have to convince you any other. It will become your lifestyle. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We bless you for the message. Thank you for the lives of men that are supernaturally transformed. I'm asking right now, Father God, that you raise up more voices. You cause this message to go far, that people will embrace the kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to have a, a dedication. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.